Hello, everyone. I'm Chase Jarvis, your host, your friend. Welcome to another episode of the Chase Jarvis Live Show here on Creative Live. This is where I sit down with the world's top creatives, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders and unpack actionable insights, create value for you, and help you live your dreams in career, in hobby, and in life. My guest today is longtime fitness guru and, I will confess, personal friend, Dr. Kelly Sturette. Now, you're like, like, doctor, like, is he like a Dr. Zhivago, doctor of medicine? What is he a doctor of? Well, I don't actually know. He's got his doctor. I think it's in chiropractic medicine, or is he a, he's a doctor of osteopathy? I don't know what it is. I think it's chiropractic. Kelly has, in no uncertain terms, has transformed the lives of millions of people. He has one of the top-selling books of all time around personal fitness. It's called Becoming a Supple Leopard. He also has completely transformed the CrossFit world uh, of mobility and movement by taking a new fresh look, bringing his huge personality and a lot of valuable insight to that world of fitness freaks. The thing that I love best is that when CrossFit got popular, people dove into it and there's so many injuries. Kelly was the first person I heard that had a like, really a, a clear mind that you don't have to get injured. There's a way to do this and not be injured. That pain isn't actually a part of the equation. That's a sign that your body's doing something wrong. And he helped move it from fitness freak world. Is that right? Fitness? Yeah. <laughs> the fitness freak. Yeah, you say that five times fast. He moved the concept of movement and wellness for your body out of this esoteric gym rat world and made it super relevant to all of us. God, what a, he has trained Olympic athletes, professional football players, universities, elite Army Corps folks. He is at the center of this movement, movement, if you will. He's also the New York Times bestseller of that book I mentioned, Becoming a Supple Leopard. He's also got another one called Ready to Run, which does a great job of distilling why people get injured in our culture from running and how you basically prevent that through just a couple of simple exercises. It's a great book that I I, I reference personally regularly because because I like to run when I'm on the road. And he's got a new book out, which is one of the things we talk about in this episode called Desk Bound. You've heard me say that sitting is the new smoking. I've done all kinds of videos, some with Kelly, some on my own, about how valuable standing up is while you're working, especially on computers and stuff. That book is just super badass, and we talk a lot about it. In addition to the movement movement, which I feel like Kelly is really at the core of, A, his YouTube channel is amazing, but B, in this particular episode, he walks us through a lot of concepts like how to actually integrate standing as a part of your daily movement instead of just like the bullshit, hey, stand at your desk, get a stand-up desk and everything will be fine. He talks, he goes into some detail about this, which will make you feel less bad about your current situation and, and very optimistic about what's possible for integrating standing into your day-to-day movement. We also talk about sleep, which has been one of the biggest biggest game changers for me in the past five years. You know, some some sleep hacks, some tricks, um, including this thing he calls the chili pad, which I think it's a product you can buy that keeps your bed cool so that when you get in it, it's like, ooh, it feels, you know, both warm and cool at the same time. And ultimately, we talk a lot about daily maintenance. Pain is not normal, my friends. Do not be heroic be consistent is a line from this talk that Kelly delivers. I love that line. For the past 15 years, I had shoulder pain. So I chronic dislocation from my youth playing football and soccer, and I had a full rebuild. And I thought that, oh, well, I just, I, I had to live with pain because I had a rebuilt shoulder and blah, blah, blah. Kelly first diagnosed this. He said, wait a minute, wait, you are physically fit. You're, you're healthy and well. Why do your shoulders suck? We talked about it. He was the first person to really tell me that what, that I could fix 
fix this stuff and that pain, lower back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain, whatever pain you have is very clear about telling you that that is curable. And for all the times when you've gone to to see a doctor and they said, oh, you need to have surgery to fix this or that, I am living proof that you can rebuild something that a doctor told me I had to have surgery for. He basically gave, I couldn't put my hands above my head. First of all, he diagnosed me. Then he introduced me to a guy named Dave Werner and through their coaching, specifically Dave's as well, I can now, I used to not even be able to put my hands above my head, but now I'm doing handstand pushups. So all of the, the stuff that I'm talking about with Kelly in this episode, I have actually lived it. In short, if you're human, you need movement for personal health. If you have joint pain, back pain, any kind of that pain, you need to listen to this episode. It's not natural. And Dr. <laughs> Dr. Kelly Sturette, not only he will support what I'm saying, but he will help you. He'll give you a path out of it. And there's a line that I'm going to leave you with here before we get into the episode. And I love he says this in there. Don't be heroic be consistent. He does a nice job in this episode of telling you what you can do to set yourself up for success instead of failure. So without further ado, I got to tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Creative Live. Creative Live is the world's largest hub for online creative education, education in photo, video, art design, music and audio, and the ability to make a living and a life in those disciplines. It's the highest quality, highly curated classes taught by the world's top experts. We're talking Pulitzer Prize winners, Oscar winners, Grammy Award winners, New York Times bestselling authors, and the best entrepreneurs of our time. Names like Richard Branson, Mark Cuban, Ariana Huffington are on the platform. And you get classes taught from guys like Tim Ferriss, Lewis Howes, uh, Ramit Sethi. Again, I could list uh, a thousand other names of the top photographers, designers, musicians, the best in class. You get it. Now, right now, if you're familiar with me and my work, you might be saying, well, wait a minute, isn't that a company that you started, Chase? Well, yes, it is. In fact, Creative Live makes this entire podcast possible. And in fact, all of my longstanding Chase Jarvis Live shows. Creative Live has millions of students around the world. More than 2 billion minutes of education have been consumed on that video platform. So, you know, that's a little bit of the sort of the what and the how behind Creative Live. But here's the why, which I think is so critical. Creative Live exists to help you live your dreams in career, hobby, and life. In short, I started Creative Live with a bunch of really committed friends because we saw a a big need in the world. We wanted to help our peers and friends and, and folks out there in the world transition to new careers, live new dreams, take the leap, if you will, into an entirely different sort of direction where you can leave that job, maybe your job with the man, and strike out on your own. I also saw my peers in the photo and design world needing to sort of up their skills and get ahead. And I saw friends who were happily working at great companies but wanted to pursue their hobby to a next level that you know, might someday parlay into a side hustle. So we built that platform. Uh, these classes at Creative Live are the most highly and authentically produced of any of the online video platforms you'll experience. The top experts, it's all shot with 48 cameras, all in HD, beautifully presented and accessible on desktop, tablet, mobile. You know I stand for quality and that's what Creative Live uh, puts out. To that end, I have also taken it upon myself to curate a handful of my very favorite classes and mix them in with some of the top performing classes on Creative Live. And I'll bake that into a landing page called creativelive.com slash hustle just for you. This community listens to our podcast here. So you should go there and you should check that out as a special thank you for being a podcast listener. If you find a class that you love, either from the ones that I've curated or elsewhere on the site, and you want to buy it, during checkout, enter the code CHASER. That's my name plus an R, just C-H-A-S-E-R. And do that during checkout and you'll get 25% off your order. Uh, I think that's awesome and I hope you do too. So thanks very much for checking it out. Let me know what you think. Now that's it for the sponsors. Uh, Now let's get into the show. 
man. Welcome to the show. Oh, it's so good to be back. It's, it's been uh, it's been like three or four months since we've like hung out personally. In that time, I've changed a lot of habits. But uh, before we get into the habits that I've changed, you've also been a busy man. You've been working on a book that just comes that comes out in what a week, two weeks, something yeah, like yeah. that. Like I guess that. it depends on where when we. I'm so used to live. I know. Like, we're recorded right now. This is nuts. We're going to deploy this thing right on the day that your book drops. So your book is going to be available. We'll talk about that. I, I want to talk about some of these, this, this notion of um, that creatives are somehow better when they're broken. <laughs> well, you're, people are too happy, and you have to be able to, like, bend yourself against your own angst. And you have to create that. We had an artist friend who was too happy. And one of our friends was like, hey, maybe you should go to a strip club. So he started going to these seedy strip clubs, and then his art just took off. You know, he was so depressed. <laughs> but you right. don't have to, you don't, it doesn't have to be back pain or hip pain for that. You can crawl under a, That's crawl right. under a bench. Um, but man, super good to have you. Thanks. Tell me a story. What's happening with you? What's happening? You know, uh, we're in a really interesting time where we're starting to see so many convergences around how the brain works, how the body works. What is, you know, what we found is that... Um, the average person is consuming information on the internet in this really shotgun, haphazard approach. Sure. You know, if I eat this teaspoon of cinnamon and squat in the stairwell, Tim Ferriss, <laughs> and, and then I, you know, I use Plus, this turmeric. I love. And, uh, but if I, if I take this turmeric and then do this secret workout yep. thing, then it's all gonna come together. And mm -hmm. I think the problem is we need to put first principles first. What does it mean to be human? And, and we can start with that fundamental question. What, sure. what is the care and feeding of this machine? And then once we sort of understand that, then you can start to start to think about your 24-hour cycle. And this informs maybe how I, the quality of my sleep yep. or, you know, am I drinking enough water or, hey, am I moving enough during the day? And so suddenly it becomes, we have some kind of archetypal view of what it means to be human over a long time. And then we kind of come out of making the traps of on, stepping on the rakes that blow up. Hey, you know, I... Sure. You know, I, I literally have stepped on a rake and knocked myself out right. before. <laughs> right. This is this happens. To, but I mean, as right. allegory, this is what happens to us all. Yeah. And it's interesting that I think people have been thinking critically about this for a long time. The yogis, uh, Joseph Pilates was not messing around. Your master coach. I mean, he's a he's a serious coach. You have yeah. an amazing coach that you work with. Um, but even if we go further, you know, we can take our cues from from industry like uh, nuclear regulation, right? Nuclear accidents. Sure. There's some really good thinking we're around. We're just going. We're, we're going. going. Like literally nuclear. Um, and like in the early 80s, a guy named Charles, a professor named Charles Parrow looked at Three Mile Island as an accident, like well, as a case study. And what we said was, oh, it was user error. Everyone's like, it's user error. These people messed up. But what he seemed to think was that the systems were so complex and that when we added complexity to the system, and tried to understand it without understanding the complexity in their, in their interactions of what was happening. Environment, lifestyle, my stress, sure. my flight, right? You can use that as allegory for us. And if we gave that system enough time to express itself, we saw the same normal accent. It happened over and over again. And so when you tweak your back because sure. you're at the end range picking up your camera bag, yep. that should be not a surprise. And you're like, but I picked up my camera bag a thousand, a million times. Yep. Well, Let's be a little bit more conscious about it and say, can we understand some of the, the, the components that predisposed us for that problem, right? Because we should never have a problem picking something up off the ground. For sure. And I think that's one of the things that I, I've got a million things I want to talk to you about today. But the, I think early on, so I gave you a little intro here at the start of the show. What 
people know about you is that you coach Olympians and world-class athletes. And I, I want to hear that you also coach normal people. I consider myself, again, I was a college athlete, went to soccer, went to college on a soccer scholarship, but I'm also, I'm a little bit older now, and I want to- Wiser. Wiser, that's a much better way of saying it. But I want, I want you to tell the people that are listening that you don't just, this is not just some food for superhuman feats of strength, that what we're really talking about, I mean, you, do, you have taught on Creative Life before, your class is called Maintaining Your Body. So can we talk about this in terms of like foundation, you talked about first principles, like I wanna go to that level first because I think that makes, you know, certainly I'm, I'm, I frame this whole show around like creativity is sort of one of my primary modes of being in the world. I'm trying to get the world to be a more creative place. But I want to talk about how like being fundamentally sound in your health and your body. We've talked about body and mind relationship. We'll talk about that again. But that's it's not just for superhumans. It's not no, just for no. world-class uh, And it, it can't be. In fact, we need to use sport as our Formula One concept where we're going to, you know, like the reason you have disc brakes is, you know, disc brakes work really well in race cars and then that technology comes backwards. Sure. So what we think of is, hey, look, you know, we can keep going the way we are. Sure. You know, back pain is a multi-billion dollar problem yep. that we can't get around of. Uh, we're doing more back surgeries than ever before. Kids are tearing their ACLs 400 times more than, 400% more than, you know, they used to be 10 years ago. Wow. Like, things aren't trending in the right direction sure. in, in spite of the fact that we have so much information. Sure. So what we need to do is think, well, when we look at ideas and concepts, we say, does this scale? Because what we can see is that we're testing positions, we're testing mechanics, we're testing robustness of ideas under sure. stress. We're stress testing, yep. and that's what sport is about. Sure. So we can take those concepts, and if we don't take those concepts and spin them back to my mom, sure. my kids, her volleyball team, our friends, adults, right, who are physical, right. but just at a degree of scale, then sport really is just circus. And, and that's fine, we'll, when, yeah, we'll, yeah. Like, when the bodies break, we'll give them to the lions, right? Yeah. But we can be better than that. And I think we just need to make sure that we're consummating the discussion, we're finishing the idea, saying here's what we know about how much water you should drink and when, and sure. how much sleep you have to have for high performance. And let me give you an example. So right now there's very little correlation between pain and posture. Right, this is a great example. Sure. And when you're talking about posture, you just like, made me sit up. Well, right, 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 I was like, oh, posture. So what's interesting, that guy sat up. Uh -huh. um, when you say posture, what does that mean to you, for example? It means how I orient my body in space. Ooh, so fancy. There you go, proprioception. Oh, dude, you're getting, you're, dude, dude, nice. <laughs> nice. dropping all Yeah, that's the right, that all of you, pull it up. <laughs> well, it turns out, and your, and your grandma talked about posture, she yep. seemed to think it was important, your mom was yep. like, sit up, right? Yep. Well, it turns out posture is just a prissy word from Latin that means position. And so what we've done is we've, we've decoupled positional mechanics, position of my spine, my, my resting habitus, and because we've given it a different word, you're like, eh, I have yeah. bad posture. You kind of brag about it. I've always had bad yeah. posture. And like, can you imagine bragging about any other thing? I always have bad work output. My workflow is terrible. You know, I'm a, I'm a terrible relationship manager. You, don't, you wouldn't brag <laughs> right. about those things. Right. And yet because we've decoupled sort of its central meaning, what does it mean to be human? How should my spine move? So, there's poor correlation between posture, sustained yep. postures, and pain, right? And that has some problems in it already because we're defining function and, and how I move in the world based only on do I have pain, yes or no, yeah. right? If Not how guide, much yeah. ass kicking can I do or how creative can I be or It's the difference how, between surviving and thriving. All right, too, yeah. which is great. I, look, yeah. I'm, in, I'm into survival, but sure. I'm really into thriving. Yeah. 
and, and thriving for the long haul because I, unfortunately, I think we're all going to be 100 years old. Yeah. So, unfortunately. Right, we are. I mean, like, you know, you know you're going to stick the tubes in and, yeah. and connect us on life support. So the, the issue here is, well, in our pilots, for example, we work with a lot of the uh, um, pilots in, you know, uh, Thunderbirds, the, the Blue Angels, our helicopter pilots, doing all this scary stuff in, in the military. Sure. And when they're in these bad positions, wearing a helmet. Yeah, like this. Well, just, how about just the position that we all adopt when we sit down? Because, because sitting causes of this shape. Yeah. And what ends up happening is that we see a lot of neck disease with those guys. Their, their joints get a little bit achy and pissy. Sure. Cranky. Um, their hands go numb, right? They start to get headaches. And what we start to see is loss of shoulder function. And partly with the helicopters, it's even bad because they're going up and down. So sure. they're wearing a helmet, Bouncing. and now they're in this bad position. What we've done is basically stress-tested that position. We've aged it, right? The sure. same way that we can test how long a you know, camera aperture opens. Sure. Like, let's just yeah. open and close, open and close, open and yeah. close, right? Did you get 20,000? Well, how many duty cycles can we put into some of these positions before we're like, hey, what's a better shape? Yeah. This shape. And then we can start making decisions about our body. So should we wait around because the science sure. doesn't say this causes pain, but what we can see is that if bad posture is sustained out for long periods of time, we know it causes dysfunction. So sure. compromise in your ability to breathe. So slouch for me, for example. Just like, this is how we sit, right? Yeah. But if we sit back and we're, we're totally normal people, right? one of the reasons you cross your legs is it helps you create more stable spine. It looks informal. But now just take a breath for me right there. Where'd you breathe? Do you see it? Where'd he here. breathe? He breathed up in his chest. Yeah. Is that where your diaphragm is? No, your diaphragm's here. So remember that woman who did a TED Talk and talked about body language and yeah. how it affects stress? The ding, right? The right? Ding. That's right, that's right. <laughs> you know, we're here. Yeah. Well, it turns out that your body, and this is really to the heart of the soul, I think, of what is interesting about your idea about creativity sure. and not stripping that creativity out of physical self, is that we know that the brain evolved out of this brain stem, right? Sure. The, mam the, mam the reptile brain. Yep. And then we have Crop this cognition brain. on top of it. Yep. So these are integrated systems. And so what ends up happening is that when your brain sees that you're in this shape, right, or that you're breathing in your chest because you're in this shape, well, you're, the only time you ever normally would breathe in your chest is when you're running from, from tigers or fighting or stressed. Yeah. Ha, 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 neck is going off. And so what your brain says is, oh, you're doing that. So you must, must be under be stress. <laughs> Let's fire up the cortisol. I know what to do here, right? right. How about that silly uh, experiment with you smile? You start hey, to feel happy. You You're feel like, happy. God, I, I feel really feel great. great. This actually. is amazing. And I'm not saying we need to be stoic about fake happiness. Sure. Because obviously that's the opposite of the artist's way, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Striving. Yes, we should be stoic and dark. But, but brooding. What we can say is, okay, well, if, you know, breathing here causes this reaction in my brain and this neuroendocrine response that makes me less able to handle stress, makes sure. me less able to handle fat. You know, so now we can start to say, well, okay, well maybe this isn't the position I was designed to be in as a human. Should I be sitting? And more importantly, what are the implications on my life around this? So we can be a little bit more granular about saying, well, you know, I, I could try to sit up, I can try to remember all these details, or we can take the cigarette out of the mouth and just put it out, you know? Like we can treat your smoking sure. emphysema or you can just not smoke in the first place. And, and part of that idea I think is saying now back to this human idea, what does it mean to be human? Yeah. And, and how do I integrate that into a modern life so that I'm not crawling and you know, you know, eating and, and forging my own food? Because it feels crazy, it does. right? It's gotten crazy. But this is why you're on the show. And so again, I'm in the process of interviewing 30 geniuses 
of which you are one. And my belief is some like the, you are a coach. You are a physical coach. You coach people's bodies. But to me, like this is a thing that I've realized. I think I knew it early on, but I didn't talk about it because it's not culturally. It didn't feel culturally relevant or culturally on point. But I realized that I have to sort of get over that because physicality for me makes like being physical and being healthy and being, in your words, more human or what are we what are we supposed to be like has absolutely 100% made me a better creative person it's it's allowed me to live a richer life that flows back into my so the difference between surviving and thriving i feel like again i'm disproportionately physical as i've talked already like i came from that background but it's so not talked about in the world that that i come from of professional artists or people who are entrepreneurs or building businesses and I feel like it's an epidemic of, that, that people don't want to go there. What's the way, like, what are some fundamental things that we can talk about today that the people at home will take a shit ton of value and it can apply to their life? Because <coughs> it's not about surviving. No. It's about thriving. And it's not about reorganizing your whole life. It's like, the, you don't have to make a bunch of crazy decisions and sure. like be, you know you get rid of your couch and now you're sleeping on you're sitting on the floor like an <laughs> afghan like warlord like it, you know people come in they're like what happened to your mid-century modern couch i love that couch and you're like well it's not good for it's my not back. good for me so you know <laughs> well i think that's that's really it you know what are the actual pieces and, and so that i don't i can we realize that everyone has this innate skill set like there are such talented people you know we're just watching the Oscars, and I'm just blown away. I'm like, Inaratu, that guy, I hate that guy. Like, he makes me feel bad about myself, right? And, you know, I, I think one of the, the keys here is that you don't have to be responsible for an expert in all of the aspects of your life. Sure. But you need to be competent around some of the care and feeding of this thing. For sure. And one of the things that we've discovered working with the professional athletes and, and professional teams is they inherit athletes who came out of a collegiate system or a younger system. And, and so they get kids who are already having injuries or breaks or, and they have to fix a lot of things and still play because they're pros, sure. right? You know, yeah. we hire you as a cameraman, you know, as a photographer, you are showing up no matter what, For right? Sure. And you're a pro. We're going to stick a needle in that thing and you're going to shoot, yeah. right? And, and all we have to do is look at the, 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 the painkiller drug addiction phenomenon in America, which is out of hand. For sure. Our good friend Chris Bell just made a great movie called um, Prescription Thugs on iTunes. Just looking at, you know, right now... Macklemore's new album's got a song about prescription <sighs> drugs on it. I love yeah, there it. There you go. Just it, dropped yesterday. It, it's amazing how we're basically, you know, we're treating symptoms. Sure. And I think if we use sport as an algorithm for a second... So you go back to college, and you're like, well, God, guys, how come you didn't solve it? Well, when I talk to the college coaches, they're like, have you seen all the All-Americans we get from high school? They're all messed up. They already have pain. They can't squat pain-free. They're already eating terribly. So you're like, well, let's go to high school. So then you go to high school, and you see the same sets of problems. And then we go to, we're like, well, we've got to start at middle school. And literally, we have been doing this. I was at a high school recently teaching uh, their physiology course, and I was like, I had 200 kids. I'm like, how many of you guys are pain-free? And, like, and there was a bunch of super jocks in the room, like the, the all-star pitcher and the girl who's the, the all-American. And uh, no one raises their hand. And the coaches kind of look around, and the parents are like, what? What? And uh, I'm like, These are kids. Yeah. And, uh, and then literally the coach is like, what, you mean your elbow hurts? But you're like, you're the star pitcher. And they're like, how come you never mentioned? He's like, you never asked. And so what we start to see is that we're inheriting these problems. Yeah. So we go further. I work with my daughter's volleyball team. Right, just movement skills, sure. right? Basics. Not not a coach. I'm trying to create 
physical literacy and movement so that they can be coached. Sure, that's really, that's what today's about, by the way. If you're just listening, like that is why I want you to care about this episode so much, is because you need some basic physical literacy to be a badass human, let alone creative or all the other things that you wanna do in your life. Back to physical literacy. I asked those kids. I got, you know, from fifth graders to like eighth graders. I'm like, so how many of you guys are paying free? And no one raises their hand. Three kids. That's nuts. And I'm like, how many people have heard of Severs disease and kids? And I'm like, Oshkid Slaughters. And, and I'm like, and, and who's got, uh, you know, and I literally, the kids are just like dinging off all the, you know, the overuse. Classic. Who's got plantar fasciitis? And they're like, three kids raise their hands. And like, the parents are looking around. And I'm like, how old are you? And she's like, 10, you know. You know and, and these kids are already literate oh. in the language of physicality. So what we have said to people is, be active. Go do sports. It solves all problems. Now, what we can get it to at the heart is that, boy, we have a hard time in the United States right now. And my daughters, we live in Marin. We have a great sure. public school we go to. But we actually have to pay extra for an art teacher. Right? It's not part That's of the curriculum. Nuts. nuts. And we have a great art teacher. That's why but this we, place exists, by the, the way. But keep exactly going. right. So we're trying to realize. So we, we're a little like, um, so you're realizing that, boy, we don't support foundational creative thinking and skills like every kid should be able to draw sure. and play an instrument it's not whether or not you're interested in that you need to be able to be competent sure. in that, right yep. well we can say the same thing about how to move so now we start asking this fundamental question who teaches movement skills zero people unless you are lucky enough to be in ballet sure and or or gymnasts or gymnasts yep. or in a codified brazilian jiu-jitsu karate where they they talked about mechanics and posture and breathing stability sure. but that's, every time you say the word posture by the way ching, <laughs> posture <laughs> so now we can start to say well, okay so where who what is the functional unit of this and and unfortunately for a lot of our creative path sure. because we have this social stigma about you're a jock or you're a creative person, yep. right? You suddenly divorce the idea of, boy, physicality supports arts and arts supports physicality. Sure. That was a huge deal for me. This isn't about me, but for what it's worth, like that sort of- No, it is about, this is you as allegory for this whole thing, yeah. right? Well, then I'm the classic case of I, was, I couldn't reconcile those two things. And that's part of, again, why I wanted you on the show is because now that I've started taking care of my body in a way that I never had before, because I just took it for granted that I was reasonably athletic. And then but as, a, as an adult who's carrying around a camera or sitting at a desk, and this isn't just for designers and photographers. Those are sort of the primary people that I that this audience reaches. But I know you're going to introduce your audience here for anything that you're doing. That's one of the reasons. You know, we're getting to your your book, Deskbound. But I just look around. There's so much fatigue and struggle and co- conflict between what we do on a daily basis and what we're supposed to function and move like. It pisses me off. I'm, it's a, literally a source of frustration. And since I started personally paying attention to it and preaching it. It, it has, my whole world has changed around like a half a dozen fundamental things. So that's really, you're, as you're talking about going backwards and backwards, we were never taught to move, right? So we need to get that. We need to get it from you. We need to get it from your books. We, like, w- w- tell the, the, people. Right, so, you know, what are the fundamentals? So if I said, you know, everyone in this room, get tight. Get tight, get stiff. How's that gonna Brace feel your tomorrow? spine. What is that? <laughs> like, now I'm like, okay, what, are, what is that? What did you do? Like, he held his breath. And I'm like, that's great. <laughs> now, you're now you're screwed because yeah. you're gonna have to breathe again. <clears throat> so what we see is that people are good at winging it, sure. And the body is such is really good at dealing with winging it for a long time until it's not. So this concept of we can say, and I'll, I'll borrow Charles Perrow again. He has this great great concepts of like, he says, 
this is a trivial event or trivial events in non-trivial systems because you can round your back and lift up that camera bag a lot. In fact, we know that you can do that for millions of times, right? You can bend over and pick up your kids until you can't one day. Yeah. And so the question is, well, did you get lucky, unlucky? Did you were just dehydrated that day? Did you lift something heavy? What, did you get off the airplane? Or, boy, I, I realized that I was about to pick up something heavy, so maybe my strategies change a little bit. So how do I formalize the instruction around that yeah. so that it's repeatable, that I can explain it to my kids, sure. right? And that it's translatable. Now, don't get me wrong, we're not asking people to be formal, like, you know, ballerinas all the time. This is my dance space, this is your dance sure. space. Your spine is dynamic, and you go watch modern dancers or gymnasts and see what the marvels of the spine, and we should be able to have that fluency. But are you asking them to, everybody have to have a trainer and everyone has to no, think about and, this? and that is the other problem. You know, what, we've, what we're benefiting from right now is that the World Wide Web, the internet, allows us to suddenly become experts. We just have to clear off some positions or clear off some information for people sure. where they can, they can learn and see these things for themselves because the functional unit cannot, we can make the assumption that human beings are learning animals, yep. right? You, you live with your parents for a long time, right? This is the heart and soul of Creative Live and yep. the teaching we do, right? Yep. There's never a time where you can't learn something. For sure. At what point did you think you didn't need a learning movement teacher coach? What person? And if you were lucky enough to be in Tai Chi or Qigong, sure. or like you found a yogi who like, who's been te you've been following for a long time, those are learned, teach, and taught environments, yeah. right? But most of Thousands us don't of access years. to that because yeah, yeah. we don't know to look for it or it doesn't interest us. So the heart, I think, of this is What's a physical practice look like? Yep. What, what are the components of that? So one of the first things Actually, is... Actually, I'm going to put a go macro on So we're going to talk, like, what are the components of a physical practice? Yeah. And that, so, like, what are the core components? Is there some sort of daily things that you should avoid? But I also want to talk about nutrition and sleep. Like, awesome. We, okay, so we'll, yeah, we'll, and, we'll, that's, and, that's and, the and next think, five think, minutes or ten I don't ten think minutes. we can... You know, the problem is... When I say physical practice... Yeah. We're looking at all of these things. So okay. let's, let's pretend like mm, you have a couple kids sure. and a busy workflow, a work output schedule, sure. a production schedule, you know, and you work and you have to commute. And all of a sudden your time, and then you also need to be with your loved one, sure. you know, whoever they are. And maybe you have a friend sure. and a hobby. Yep. What's it look like then? Like, where are you squeezing this in? So, you know, it'd be great if we could spend four hours a day crawling on the ground, doing explore more, you know, explore, exploration and living in the trees. I love that. Sure. But that doesn't work. <laughs> and it's not scalable, right? So the first and foremost around this thing is saying, well, what can I do to contribute to my physical practice? Sure. Well, maybe that means today I just, I ate like a ninja today. You know, I ate six to eight fists of vegetables today. You know, people are like, hey, let's talk about nutrition. I'm in grams of protein. I'm like, did you eat breakfast? Okay, if you didn't, did you eat six to eight fists of vegetables? Did you, I mean, like, show me that you're actually eating food first and foremost, yeah. right? And then we can start talking. So I can, I can maybe control that piece today, yep. right? I'm going to be on an airplane for a long time tomorrow. Yep, plenty what, am I, what am I going to do? I'm not going to drink, right? I'm going to make sure that when I, I walk around as much as I can, um, when I get off the airplane, I'm going to do some basic tissue work. And I'm not going to exercise. I'm not going to you know, freak out and run to the gym and try to undo that. Right. What I'm going to do is say, I can contribute to the health of the system. And, and I think, you know, as we're walking around the airport tomorrow, we'll walk. We won't take the, the, the escalator. Yeah, yeah. And part of this isn't, I don't have to remember all these details. I just have to remember, you know, in this physical practice, one of the central tenets is, how can I move more? Right? How can I just be upright and moving? Because that is the thing 
that makes us human. That's why you have a heel cord. This is why your lymphatic system, which is the, the drainage to all the congestion, right? All sure. your, your lymphatic system, it's driven by the muscle contraction. So if you sit down, what happens to your lymphatics? They turn off. If you sit down and your leg musculature turns off, your blood sugar spikes because your, your body's suddenly not burning that, that glucose, you know, that sugar in your muscles. And so, boom, suddenly you look pre-diabetic all of a sudden, right? So what's interesting is if you, if you think in that gestaltist global term. Gestalt, look at the use of the, uh, the GRE word right there. That was amazing, the gestalt. Two points. Two points, Ding. That's right. Wait, wait till I say the word iterative. That is the Ooh. five point word. The, the key here is suddenly you start to unravel what your life looks like underneath all of this without ever getting lost in the weeds because it is so easy to get lost in the weeds, sure. right? And, and we remain agnostic. Man, you know, did you walk today, yes or no? You know, can you walk enough? We see that one of the biggest problems is this thing called non-exercise activity. And that is your body needs to be in motion through the day. So even a standing desk is imperfect because you're not moving at the standing desk, sure. right? And but so if you if, combine that with walking on the way to the airport, now, with, with walking hey, meetings, with... Now my body's being like, I know what this is. I'm being a human being, right? Yeah. And now we're starting to, we're starting to have a conversation. So... There was a great uh, calculator that we have on our website, Stand Up Kids, which is our, we'll talk about. Sweet. But my, my wife did this little calculation. She's like, Kelly, do you realize if I stand at work, I burn as many calories as if I ran 33 marathons a year? I'm like, well, I'll tell you which one I would do. And it does not include 33 <laughs> marathons in a year. 33 and nothing. That's a lot of calories wow. just burned because you're upright and, and organized. And, and Can you claim that you ran 33 marathons? I think so. I think, I think you just have to have an asterisk, right? <laughs> I PR'd in all my marathons this year. This t-shirt with that's an asterisk. Right, that's right. So I think that's, that's what we need people to understand is, okay, I can take the general principles, but the other piece around exercise, I think, in training is that what we've said and, and convinced ourselves is that if I just work harder, yeah. it solves all problems. Oh, man. I and I just need to stories. work harder. Yeah. You know, like if, I just, if I just give a little more effort, and high-intensity high exercise is out in the world. Sure. I mean, orange theory. Go to Soul Cycle. If you survive, we'll talk about the experience. It's right. so hard. Right? But you know, there's not a lot of skill at Soul Cycle. For sure. Your butt goes here, hands go here, be a piece of meat, right? And what we need to do is put the skill back in movement. So we value you know, skilled, technically proficient people. At what point does this not have to be skilled or proficient? We can say it's good enough, sure. but it's always a conversation. And then that skill bucket is infinite. You can always of refine your you skill. Can go super deep. But for the people, like again, the, the, we're not talking to superstar no, no, to gold medals, to gold medals. We're talking to everybody. And your advice, I'm going to put it in a nutshell, is find 10 ways to be doing something more active, standing, moving than you're doing right now, whether it's getting up and walking in the airplane, walking through the airport, standing at a desk, which is, again, we still have to get to that, and taking walking meetings. And do you think, is that, like, is that baseline going to... That's a gonna... massive, massive start. And the problem now is that you're going to have to undo a lot yeah. of habit, sure. right? So as you stand, and, and it's not like we haven't... I'm going to just go on a limb here. There sure. are these places that are amazing where people congregate called pubs. Have you ever sure. been to one of those? I've heard stories. They have alcohol yeah. there. I, I think, yeah. At the bottom of the pub, there's this thing called the rail. Have you ever seen that? I have. Why are pubs this height, bar height? Like, we actually, it's a we, term, it's right? It's a term, literally, yeah. For standing, because it allows you to stand there for a long time and drink for a long time. And then you, if you don't have that, you, and you're, or if you stand there and you put your foot up there, too, you're like, I could stand here and drink all day. 
all you need to do is do this experiment. Go work all day, yep. be on your feet, sit down, whatever, go to a bar, stand around without any skill or technique, just hope that the meat supports you, have a cold beverage and see how beautiful everyone in the room is. And your back's gonna ache a little bit like you're at a concert, yep. you're like 10 o'clock, and uh -huh. you're like, ah, shifting around, doing all these weird poses, and music's not very good, and he's not very handsome, and then all of a sudden, if you suddenly put your foot up and lean, you're like, new game. bing, your brain's like, this is amazing. This is the best thing I've ever had, that woman's so So is hot. that part of the therapy? Is this everyone should go to the bar? Well, mm. what we can say is the bartender's figured it out, right? Hey, people congregate and stand here for long periods of time. What are the, how can we make the environment fit the human? And now we're having a conversation about, you know, which backpack is best for your camera? The one that allows you to remain your most human self. For sure. Right? It's not a... You know, if I put a strap here and, and, you know, is that a very human shape? No. no. So I can make the environment work me. That's the, the advantage of having thumbs, right? We can, we can shape our environment. We can shape our environment. And, um, you know, so if you're at a desk, for example, we yeah. say that, hey, you know, don't give yourself the option to, to sit down. If you need to go sit down, go sit on the couch, right? Okay. If you, if you, you know, understand that the human being is designed for survival, we are good at that. And if, you, if there's a place where you can take a shortcut, you will. So what we do is we have in movement, I'll, I'll, I'll step out back in my, my experience now, is that we'll do these things called blocked movement patterns. This is, comes from a coach friend. Sure. And his idea is, hey, look, if you don't want people, when you jump up off the ground or get up off the ground and jump and land, if you don't want your feet to be all collapsed and knees to be wobbly, just land with your feet together. The, they figure this out in the army. When people jump out of the airplane, yep. their feet land with their feet together. And what happens is it protects the knees, right? You just can't yep. blow out your knee that way. So what we do is by saying, hey, we want you to jump and land with your feet together, we automatically get a behavioral outcome that we don't have to teach, we don't have to correct, we don't have to, so it's protected. So if you go to your workstation and there's no chair, guess what you don't do? You don't sit. That's right. In my house, if you leave a pint of ice cream there, my brain at two in the morning will be like, hey, I think there's ice cream in there. And I'll literally wake up hot, I'll create a herd of raccoon, and I'll go crush that ice cream. And guess what? The way for me to avoid that is not to have ice cream in the house, right? So I wake up and I'm like, oh, there's no ice cream, so go back to bed. And I think that's what we can start to do to shape our environments a little bit, right? I, I love that conceptually. Not only, again, I've become, I have uh, standing desks here. Um, I take walking meetings. All this has been learned. And it, one of the things that I was so shocked about is this is something that I literally did overnight. I just started tracking my habits. Am I walking a certain amount, am I spending, am I standing instead of sitting, am I getting eight hours of sleep, I started just like tracking these things. And I, these were super subtle changes in my behavior that had dramatic effects in my physical well-being and which in turn affects my, my psychology. So I've been in a good mood perpetually for like six months now. That is a pain in the ass for us all because you, when you're firing on 12 cylinders and yeah. you go up to 11, I know. it's tough. It is tough. <laughs> That's, yeah. We've already been talking for like two hours before we started even recording this. But so I feel like I have a good understanding, I think the folks at home do, about like shaping your behavior around things like standing and moving. Let's talk about the sitting thing specifically because you got a new book that's called Desk Bound. Um, talk, like, give us the short backstory and give us what the book's about and why, why we care. <coughs> I mean, it, obviously it's, it's in this sort so of context. So use Desk Bound, working at a desk. Yep. Um, use it as allegory for sedentary lifestyle. Okay. And what we've, we've come to realize right now is that so we've most- we've been talking about this the whole time because this is what the this book is. It's not this just is, about That's the desk. right, okay. it's not about the desk. It's that, in the, in the book Deskbound, we try to give people 
uh, a template for some real basics about how to hinge, how to pick things up, how to hold things, how to carry things. You know, how to take care of your body and some real basics, right? Sure. Just like a real, like if Coming Supple Leopard was the like Jacques Pepin, this is like Betty Crocker, right? Let's like keep it simple. <laughs> for sure. And for those of you like you're, you're going ahead, which is, I appreciate, Supple Leopard was your first book, which is New York Times bestseller. And, and I own that book. I refer to it often. It's beautiful. It's like the Bible. It's like a, it's like this big, sexy cookbook for the body. Yeah, it's, it's big and sexy. It's big and sexy. It's a beautiful book. The the follow-on to that was about how to run because that's what so much of a, our culture does this day to try and stay fit, so you try to give some people instruction. This, what you're, I'm going to put words in your mouth here, this is, the, this is the simple version of... This is the most important thing my wife and I have ever done. And the reason is is that if we look at the behaviors, of, as the physical behaviors sure. of people that ultimately are going to impact their creativity, what are... The pieces. What are the errors? What are the what are the pieces of efficiency? Australia links its number one public health problem as sedentary lifestyle, and you can see metabolic syndrome around that, right? Sure. Non-exercise, all the orthopedic problems, obesity. I think it's number four or five in our culture. Right? It's Isn't really it it's high. It's high. And what's it's higher? It's higher than that. Coronary artery disease, you know, things like that. Like sure. it's it, like the big. It's in the top five. Though, it's it right? is. It's the top five in the WHO and the world puts it there. Um, it's more dangerous than bears, let's be honest. And uh, so what ends up happening is, um, you know, around thinking about are we moving enough? Because the research is showing now that if, if we don't move, then we're not expressing the genetics correctly, the physical machine doesn't work correctly, the epigenetics. We just actually aren't, aren't being who we're supposed to be. And whether this is productivity, so if you sure. own a business, so there's a great study that showed... Um, where they had, they took a company that uh, they could track productivity because it's difficult to track productivity, sure. and, and especially in a place like this, where like I'm like, well, very, you didn't make it very far on this gift today, or whatever. You know? <laughs> I tried to use the lowest form nice, of tech there. Nice, nice, very. And, uh, underbite is that's right. Through. So, so the idea here is um, they were able to track sales. Okay. Made a call, closed a deal to sale. So sure. People who stood closed deals two to one. So at twice as many closed calls in a call center than people who sat versus standing. Wow. That only made a difference of $80 million to the company in one year, just by making sure everyone stood and talked on the phone. And if you are real about this, like your parents, when you were in trouble, you had to sit, on, you had to sit down, didn't you? Yeah. They I walked sit, around sit all, and you had to sit down, and you sat down, and you're like, oh, this is, this your is, body language is yeah. screwed, your brain turns off, a whole bunch of things. If you have to take a important call, you stand up and walk and around pace, you and bet. pace because your brain is like, sing, I, I know this. So your brain becomes more active. We know that you're more creative. When we're, when we're looking at deskbound as allegory for, for sedentarianism, sure. then we start to capture some of the other pieces because there are, our bodies adapt to this sitting problem. You know, in, in America, pelvic floor dysfunction is over a billion dollar industry. And I'm talking about- I don't even know what that means. What does I that mean, mean, if you- uh, need an adult diaper. Like you have, you're a person who suffers from bladder incontinence, it. right? It's just easier to sell you a diaper. In fact, we got these things at our gym that were marketed towards women athletes called Go Girl Pads. Go Girl, we know it's totally normal that you're going to pee yourself when you jump rope, so we made this for you. In fact, we branded it Go Girl. And um, we think that that's really strange. And it turns out that your pelvic floor, right, doesn't work when you're sitting on it. It's not until you weight bear through your hips that that pelvic fascia and pelvic sling starts to support itself. And so, 
you know, you can kind of go down the list of, of areas and say, hey, well, hey, what is the problem of sedentarism? Well, the problem is that we're sitting more than we've ever sat. And I know what you're thinking. I sat at school in the 70s. It wasn't a problem, 70s. right? 70s. 80s, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing the math. All right, yeah, okay, so, you got right? But I, I do feel like it was a problem. And I, I spent my whole life trying to be active, you know, whether it was team sports or skateboarding. But it wasn't because of my health. It was because I was a kid. That's and right. And that's what kids do and did. But I'm seeing, obviously, a shift, not to disparage video games or a different lifestyle, but we, we have to actually have something that combats that, for sure. So, Well, you know... You, you can come at this, so the, what's fun is now we're getting this really good science-backed data. So we can, I'm a movement expert, and we came to this problem, I think we did a Google talk in 2010 about the similar name, because we were seeing this problem in all our college athletes. They were certain sequelae of problems. It wasn't pain, but they were short in the hip. Like, you know, they're missing, the shoulders weren't functioning well, tackling problems, right? And it was just causing all this problem. And it turns out they were sitting 12 to 14 hours a day. Just by the time that we looked at sure. meetings, class, you know, hanging out with your friends, dinner. One of our powerlifting friends who was having a hip problem, you know, I was like, Mark, when's the last time you took yourself through full range of motion? He's like, what? I don't even know. Maybe that's Vietnam, you know, because yeah. I'm like, look, you get off the edge of the bed, you go to the toilet, you go to the desk, you go to the breakfast table, you get in your car, right? You, you squat to parallel. Like, you never even have taken yourself through full range of motion. So what ends up happening, that range of motion goes away. And what we think of is... Watch kids. Do they warm up before they sprint for the playground? Mm-mm. Right? If you and I were like, let's go, we'd be like, okay, hang on a second. I need to warm up. Yeah. And like, do I have full range of motion? <laughs> right? Got to get my heart rate up a little bit. And what we're seeing is we can look at sort of your movement capacity. And there's no reason why we should lose any of our abilities to move. The, and I'll come back to this idea. But the number one reason most of us end up in nursing homes is that we can't get up off the floor independently. You know? The, the number of falls in Japanese nursing homes is much lower than the United States because they sleep on the ground and toilet on the ground. And so they practice getting up off the ground all the time. You know, and, and isn't that interesting? And there's a lot less lumbar disease and hip disease in those cultures that toilet on the ground and sleep on the ground because the hip goes to its full range of motion. At what point did you ever stop squatting down by the fire? You know what I mean? And, <laughs> right? and, and working in these shapes. And, and if you go to any, any developing country, you'll see that people wait for the bus stop in a full squat, right? Yep. The kids are just, it's, it's not a big sure, deal. It's a, like it's a thing. Asia but if I ask an average person, squat all the way down, ass to ankle, heels on the ground, they're like, oh, I can't do that. You know, like my doctor says, it's bad for me that I express my humanness, right? Don't bend your arms past 90 degrees. You know, that's what you're doing with the hip. It's crazy. <laughs> so literally, I think what we can start to say is, uh, you know, if you imagine your body's ability to move um, like a house, and I know that some of us are hoarders, yep. right? And that pile of magazines isn't a big deal today. But eventually I have 10 piles of magazines that prevent me from getting to the door. But because it's a hoarder house, I can still go to the bathroom. I, can, like, I kick ass though. I'm like, whatever, I'm the best hoarder. <laughs> but then one day I need to go somewhere and I can't, right? Like uh, someone tweeted out the other day, they're like, how much range of motion do you need for running? And he's like, only enough to run. And I was like, well, what happens if you run down a steep hill or have to lower yourself off a, a edge of a boulder while you run? or You fall and have to get up, right? So suddenly now we're saying, well, maybe I need to make sure that I can always maintain what I'm supposed to do like every other kid can. Yeah. And what happens is we looked at sitting as the most noxious agent and the easiest place to start to fix this. Biggest wins. It's like... 
if we just changed that, it's sort of like picking up bags of gold off the ground as oh. opposed to having to go to totally. mine them out of the hills. We saw in our, we were volunteering at our, my wife and I were volunteering at um, our daughter's field day. We noticed, we were doing the sack race, right? Sure, and it's a good some of the kids, the best, yeah. triple extension of the hip, yeah. it's like, it's so athletic. Some of the kids couldn't even get in the sack. They, didn't, they couldn't pick up their knee high enough to put the sack on. So they had to sit down, we were like, uh, whoa. whoa. And then some of the kids were so short in the hips, they couldn't hop. They stayed kind of flexed over and did this weird, like, 80-year-old man <laughs> sack race thing. And we're like, what is going on? What we noticed is that when my daughter was in the kindergarten, every kid runs like Usain Bolt. Sure. They all run beautifully. Like, on the ball of their foot. Doesn't matter what's on there. They run the same. Halfway through the first grade, those kids start heel striking. So you start to see a, a fundamental change in a primary motor pattern. That is, I know you can heel strike with a $400 shoe on and an orthopedic surgeon and your sure. physical therapist, but that's not how we're not running. running. And if you look at like Daniel Liebenson's book, The Story of the Human Body, he's the anthropologist from Harvard, you have a heel cord because you're designed to run as a human being. Like that's what it is. Yeah. And so if you heel strike, you don't use a heel cord. So what is it about first graders? Do they go home and they saw it on the internet or were watching it on the, the, the TV and they were like, I want some heel strike? No, the, the thing is the sitting. And what we're not doing is looking at this host of problems and dysfunctions and loss efficiency and starting to ask the question across the society, what does it mean to be human? Sitting is the new smoking. Everyone's heard that now. It's popular. And that's, that's James Levine of the Mayo Clinic. Oh, like that's not, that's not a casual guy. He's like, dude, it's really, really bad. Yeah. And his chief, he's on our board. He's an amazing human being. His chief research area was, was obesity. And what's happening now is that we're he's reeling it all the way back. Oh yeah, he's like, oh, we gotta solve this problem. And he's like, whoa, non-exercise activity burned more calories in the background. Non-exercise activity, that's which the means thing. Yeah, we're, non-exercise we're, activity. That's can like walking you in the airport, standing. Take the stairs, when, yeah. right? How can you just be moving? If, if you have a choice to sit or stand, sit, right? And we understand that there's plenty of, you know, if this is a good example of, of a very actual item. There's optional sitting and non-optional sitting. So if you're on the bus, stand. You can, because you can stand up and grab That's it. right. Yeah. You're in the car, it's difficult to stand in the car, yeah. right? Unless you have a bread van from yeah. the 70s, right? <laughs> you kidnap kids, and uh, that has the kidnapper window in the back. But it's never, it's never gonna work that way. So what's happening is if you just see that, hey, there's sometimes you're forced to sit, yep. then make the best of the best situation. Let's optimize your sitting mechanics. Let's get you into the best position. Let's, let's limit that exposure. But the rest of, there's a bunch of optional sitting that you do. So for example, we have a, I love our mid-century modern couch, yep. but my kids sit cross-legged on the couch because it turns out lotus pose and sitting on the ground is something we were designed to do, right? And no one sits on the ground for eight hours. Right. Right, yeah, right, right, right. But you know, if, you, if you're that person who can't sit, like, you know, this would be a much better position to sit in. Right now my hips are being more organized, yeah. right? But um, what you'll see is that people are like, yeah, I can't sit on the ground cross-legged. And I'm like, whoa, that's like losing your ability to blink. Like that's something you need. Let's talk about some other things that people need because I'm, so I'm bought, I'm, I'm, I'm in. I need to move and the people at home know they need to move. What else are some things we can talk about from the physicality? Again, the big wake up for me is that I thought everything was in my mind and this body was a nice thing to have. And I was frustrated. I was like creatively blocked for some time, you know, in the last 18 months. And I just went to what I, what I knew, which was just moving my body to try and get a different set of chemicals going through my bloodstream. And lo and behold, like not overnight, I started moving and I, 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 I 
moved forward, I progressed. A handful of other things I also did. One of them was getting some sleep. So let's, can you talk to me a little bit about these sure. other things? Because Absolutely. I look to you as a, like, again, I look to you as coach. Like coach for movement, but all, there's this, there's so much lifestyle baked into our world now. And we have to talk about the lifestyle. Okay. Because, you know, I can, you know, I have some Olympian friends yep. who can sneak a cigarette once in a while and eat little chocolate donuts and they're still the best in the world. Yeah. I don't like them. <laughs> Comma, they know that they can't do that in the long haul, yeah. right? So we ultimately are going to have to have a conversation about environment, about your stress. How are you managing that? Yep. Um, because, you know, we look at stress as just another, like, it's like carrying around a 25-pound weight. Just hold this. Well, I don't want to hold that. Well, that's what your stress is doing to you. We're not recognizing that as a, as an, a load. You're, you know, people always are bragging about how they don't, don't need much sleep. Boy, I, I was that guy for like <sighs> 10 years. I lived on five, four or five hours a night. And I literally, and I thought it was, I, I thought it was genetic and that was something that I wore on my sleeve as a little badge of honor. And then, yes, it's, not a, it's not a piece of research that says under seven works. People are always like, well, what about Bill Clinton? He got four hours of sleep. And I'm like, and then he died. <laughs> And then we resurrected him, <laughs> right? right? And that didn't work very well. So, you know, cross his, his name. One of our friends uh, is a guy named uh, Kirk Parsley, and uh, Doc Parsley, at Doc Parsley, and he was a physician for the Navy SEALs okay. and saw the worst sleep ever in those vampire guys, like the worst and stressful and, right, all the other things, high-quality Navy food, like just take heavy loads, like just it's the worst things you can think of, and then add sleep. And so he saw that, boy, if we could manage sleep quality a little bit, we would see massive changes. And, that, and that's what ends up happening, is that everyone ends up coming to the same conversations. Boy, maybe a breathing practice is really important. Um, you know, managing your sleep hygiene, right, which we can talk about yep, in a second. I'd like to talk about that. Right, hey, can, can you eat, you know, in a way that is sustainable? And, and matches our physiology a little bit, which means you need to eat food. Like, thanks, Michael Pollan. You were yeah. talking about us all along, right? <laughs> a lot of plants, you know, not too much, some lean proteins in there. So suddenly, you're, you, those things don't have to be disparate, um, segregated aspects of the physical practice. They are the physical practice. So one of the things that we, we tend to do is for people to say, hey, look, build this in a, what I call the adaptation cycle. Because the idea is I should be constantly getting better and better and better based on the stimulus on the day. I'm not recovering from anything. I recover from sickness and injury, but I'm not recovering from a run or I'm recovering from a walk. I'm, I'm adapting to that. It right? is a weird language that we it is. It is. And well, I think it comes out of the medical community. So, well, you know, the first place is I'm like, let's start with bedtime, right? One of the problems that we see with people is they cannot go to sleep. And there are two really dirty secrets in professional sports, and that is Ambien. Yep. Massive dirty secret. Sure. Tylenol PM, Ambien, like, you know, oh, I don't, I don't take that stuff, I just take Benadryl. Oh, right. <laughs> That's how you go to sleep, you take Benadryl every night? Oh my gosh. Right? THC is another big one that people, you know, I know people, the only way they can go to fall asleep is with a pot cookie. Yeah. And I'm like, maybe that's not sustainable. That's a, that's a way to lean into some of these problems sometimes when peak stress. Sure. But maybe that's not the thing we're going to do for the next 30 years, right? And so what are the, what are the cues around sleeping, that I can improve this. So something that means, is my room cold, right? I 62 cold to 68 room. room. Is that good? Oh, it's the best. The colder oh, the better. Colder the better. So check this out. Uh, can you tell Kate? That uh, well, well, <laughs> my wife 
loves, like she'll put a Juliet, sweatshirt on. Juliet, is amazing. She is a, a baller. So caveat about Juliet. Juliet, uh, world time, two-time world champion, like super jock. She's the CEO of all this mess, right? Yep. And she is my pair partner in all this. Like it's, she is my creative partner. And um, in, in, as a side, it should be noted that there's a good research uh, piece in, in New York Times that really, or, or debunked genius as a solo, you know, idea. Oh, yeah. That it is a creative group of people, and Juliet is the muse. She is the the. the I'm like I'm like a third of a person here without Juliet. <laughs> so, but Juliet had thyroid cancer when she was 20. So when she wakes up in the morning, and towards the evening, there's no thyroid in that girl's body, and so she gets really cold, like deeply cold, like angry cold. And uh, so she, like, we have, like, she wants to shut the doors. She wants a 15-foot comforter. She goes, <laughs> like, and it is toxic. I, like, touch yeah. her, and I'm repelled because there's so much, like, sweat coming off the girl. She sleeps, like, she just needs to be hot. We found this company that makes this thing called the Chili Mat or Chili Pad, and it circulates 55-degree water underneath my sheet all day long, all night. What? So my sheet is 55 degrees. And <laughs> I, I turn on an hour before I go to bed. All my friends have one, all my pro, and literally you just, and, and it's like, so it's right down the middle of the bed. So she comes near the Arctic wasteland, the, 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 the frozen wall of the north, right? And, uh, and I am, I'm like Egret on this side, and she's like, you know, on the other side. Uh, so the cold Lannisters. is good. Cold is good. Dark. Make it pitch black. And here's, here's a thing, you know, that iPad, yep. that iPhone does not belong in your room. It's not a matter. I'm going to let it be pregnant. And because and, you know, and you've started to pay attention to these details, your room should be pitch black. There's good research to show that even a one red light is enough to mess you up. What? Your brain is so sensitive to picking up light. There's no clock. Well, it should be a red clock because we know that the red, hey, like a dark sure, room, yeah. right? Uh-huh. But also flip it upside down so it doesn't emit light. And if you're super nerdy, you'll take a little like electrical tape on your favorite pen and you'll go to every hotel room and you'll just black out every light. And the next person goes, is like, look, there was a human being traveler in this room before me because every light <laughs> is blacked out. So no it should be no one does that pitch does black. That. <laughs> and if you can't do that, sure. there are these things called eye masks. So I'm going to confess, like, I started using one of those things, not all the time, because I can get, I just, I started paying attention to my sleep, trying to get eight hours and allow, like, literally allowing myself, which I was just talking about earlier, for 10 to 15 years of my life, I bragged about four to five. And I still, I, I don't think I sleep, I'm not a great sleeper. Practice. Yeah. Practice it, it, skill. I'm getting way better. And this little face mask and some ear plugs. So ear, they, they freak me out because I'm a fight or flight guy. Like, I'm defender of the faith. I'm not the faith. I don't know what that came from. But I, I'm like, I want to protect my family and home. And so that you can't hear? I feel, I feel deathly vulnerable. But I get amazing sleep. So well, I, when I'm in a safe space, totally. I'll throw the eye mask on, earplugs, and it's like... It's like a catapult. It's amazing. Well, what you've done then is really started to create a bunch of context cues. So if people are conscious about their creative process, they know. When I sit down at this computer to write, I'm gonna, yeah, yeah. I have all yeah. the things. I have my coffee, it's set, right? And we want to give our brain cues that it's time to go to sleep, which means dulling the lights a little bit getting off the TV a little earlier, not reading on our iPad, but reading on an actual book. These are the kinds of things where your brain is like, oh, it's getting darker, I'm down, starting to downregulate. Because we are really good in this society going from zero to 60, right? Coming back down, we are not good. And our friends like Jill Miller, who's been on uh, Creative Live, yep. you know, has really talked about trying to use a roll on a ball 
to just activate your guts. It just it's one, So you literally take any ball in your house, yeah. roll on your stomach for 10 minutes before you go to bed. It's one of the ways to trick on your parasympathetic nervous system. How big so, of a ball? Like a, not a ping pong volleyball. ball? Volleyball. Volleyball. Got volleyball, it. something like, you can go to get a princess ball from Walgreens, right? Okay. And, uh, and just that gut smashing is one of the ways we can trick our nervous systems into being ready. If you've ever had um, a massage. We're gonna have to put a lot of this in the show notes. This is like the densest shit right now. <laughs> if you've ever had exploding. a massage, and we're just at the night, right? Yeah. If you've ever had a massage, right. oh, um, yeah. any soft tissue work, you stand up and you feel relaxed. That's how we want you to feel before you go to bed. Like when you get a massage, you don't stand up and like, let's fight. You're like, boo, your voice is low, your face is melting. So can you do some soft tissue work? So we advocate 10 minutes, 10 minutes of soft tissue work before you go to bed, right? Um, dark room, earplugs, it's cold. Do you and, have the earplug thing? Well, I don't you, need them. You don't need my them? My wife does. Got it. And, um, and I have my little cold machine makes a white noise. It's like, nice. you know, someone hits me in the head. Got it. But what's cool, though, about this little routine is that you can take that routine with you. So when you travel, suddenly it doesn't matter if you're in a strange bed because it's pitch black and the earplugs are in and it's cold. And your brain's like, I know what we're about to do. Relax. Let's go to bed. Let's chill out. Yeah, I started this on airplanes, actually, because yes. it was the only way I'd take a little white pill because I'm traveling internationally a lot. Earplugs, eye mask that the plane gave you. I fly, you know, 150, 200,000 miles a year, so I get the nice lay flat bed. And I was sleeping like a baby on airplanes. And it was really from that that I brought that into my, my real life. Here's the super nerdy. If you're traveling, mm -hmm. take your own pillowcase. This comes from our friend Phil Burt of British Cycling. They would travel with their whole mattresses and pillows. And I'm like, just strip the pillowcase. So suddenly it smells like your house. So you put your own pillowcase over, you're getting all this context, and you're getting your own allergens, right? You're not exposed to a whole bunch of new allergens. And all of a sudden, like that, really start, your brain is like, I'm right at home, boom, out. Wow. You know, trying to limit caffeine afternoon, sure. do your best. I understand that we are a coffee culture, but understand that even if you fall asleep right away, your sleep quality is gonna be affected. Speaking of sleep quality, we were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, I'm sort of drinking about 90% less than I have historically. My, my job is very social. It has been very social as a photographer. Now there's just a lot of like, I'm, I'm spending a historically very social. Now I'm actively drinking less, maybe one or two glasses of red wine on a very rare occasion. And again, when I said the word catapult, this is like a catapult for my yeah. sleep. I'm like next level shit. I'm sleeping so hard in a way that I've never done before. Well, so you, I mean, you just stepped on the like, the, you touched the third rail, right? Yeah. People were like, my alcohol, you can have it because that's how I come down. And we're like, oh, that's how you come down. From, yeah, from a stressful uh, day So how else can you come down, right? We understand what we, all of and the don't best get me wrong. Like I love, I love a great cocktail, a great, great glass of wine. No, I love it's, it. it's one of the reasons you're an adult. Yeah, it's like God loves time. us because she made amazing red wine. <laughs> right, it's sure. totally true. But I, I, as an, you know, I started on the January wagon this year. Just to come out of oh, it's like a little resolution. And I started sleeping. First of all, super smart, way smarter than I normally was. Second of all, I started sleeping like a baby, and that sleep had this additive, this cumulative effect of not only was I not drinking and slowing down, but then I would get a great night's sleep, and I come out like, these are just some, well, I started moving, eating different, and not drinking, and I, it's so, like, I, I feel like my 25-year-old self. Check it out, so um, our friend Tim Ferriss, yes. interviewing Laird Hamilton, yep. great surfer, who's, which is really important because he's 50 right now. <laughs> Can I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna throw something in there. So he also interviewed a mutual friend of ours, or I don't know if you know Jimmy Chin. So Jimmy's a good friend of mine. I'm gonna see him next week in Jackson. 
and he said that if Chase Jarvis and Laird Hamilton had a baby, it would be Jimmy Chin. So <laughs> apparently, yeah, I don't know. Anyway. I can make that happen. Okay. That would actually be a handsome baby. <laughs> Please. Like Jimmy, you know, my, both my daughters love Jimmy. Oh, of course. And as, a, as, a, as an aside, they'll be like, hey, it's Friday night, we're going to watch a movie. And literally lately they were like, hey, let's watch Meru. Again? I'm like, really? And they're like, yeah, Jimmy's so cute. <laughs> it's, like, it's a dog. We had dinner, a, and they, like, they made him like little cartoons. Of, like, Caroline drew him like, on the bivy on the side of that. And I'm like, oh, look, there he's starving in there. It's so cute. <laughs> so cute. Okay, back to Laird Hamilton. Sorry. 50 there years old. I think he's surfing his best because he set up all these conditions where his age is irrelevant because his, his practice is so good. Yeah. You know, you don't ever want to arrive at a place where you're at your peak of your powers and the machine starts to decay. Ah, my back hurts, I can't go out, I don't want to take that. And that's that hoarder model, is that all of a sudden your windows of functionality start to decrease and decrease and decrease. And Tim asked Fer uh, Laird, he said, well, what would you tell your 30-year-old self? And he's like, stop drinking today. And I think that was, wow. I was like, whoa, that's, that's heavy duty. Wow. And um, what we noticed when we track heart rate variability, which is a measurement of heart irritation and recoverability and heart function, when you drink, it wrecks your heart rate variability, which tells you about your cardiac system readiness. And a single drink would affect that. And so what we can say is, hey, make it quality, right? Don't look at his beer as escape. Like, have a beer as amazing food, as an expression of creativity. Have a fantastic glass of wine. But also, do you need to have it every single night? You know, because what we're, most of us are doing is falling into the patterns of we are stressed out and blown out, yep. and then don't see the short-circuitness. We're not expressing that, you know, that system long enough to see the impact. So on the plane or when you're traveling or under peak stress, pull back. You know, I have this really good friend um, from Harvard named Matt Lalonde, who's a bio biochemist there, and he's like, Kelly, when you travel, no cookies, no wine. And I was like, oh, oh, oh like, bro. <laughs> you know, and he's like, did Dagger. you just bro me, bro? And I'm like, yeah, like, come on, that's that allows me to survive. It's like, yeah, you are you so hurt. trashed. He's like, test your blood sugar. You can go to Walgreens, get your blood glucose meter. And he's like, when you just come back, just test it. And I got back and I was like, oh, look, I'm diabetic. Like, pre-diabetic, diabetic. And that was just from sleeping like crap for two days in a row. And then I was like, oh, so if I pour gasoline on this raging fire where I was insulin insensitive because of the travel, the stress. Stress, travel, sugar, from That's the right. Wine, so so suddenly you were like, okay, well, let me just, I'll just put off my drinking until I recover, until I've, until I've slept a little bit, right? So now we're starting to see, okay, I can start to create this night sleep habit routine. Sure. Wake up in the morning. What's the first thing I do? Well, you know, maybe that's a time to chug some salty lemon water. Actually, mm. you know, my wife and I feel like we never eat enough veggies. We, we, we blend, we don't juice, we blend a big massive blender of vegetables. You know, and at least we're like, wow, I ate a salad today. Because once we hit the gym or hit our business, it's rolling yeah. and we're lucky if we can eat it all, you know? So, so in these moments where we control what we can control, Suddenly then we're like, well, is there, is there room in our day for some exercise, some physical practice? And then we, again, we remain agnostic. You probably need to do some respiratory capacity stuff. You need to work on your positions. You probably need to lift something heavy once in a while. Pilates plus running plus deadlifting, you're there, right? We have some yogis. yoga. Yeah, yoga, yeah, right. You do some sprints plus some yoga plus some bench presses. Dude, we're like, we're getting there, right? That's almost a complete system. Then we're, now we're thinking one of the, the tenets of our system is that you, we want you to spend 10 or 15 minutes a day working on the quality of your tissues. And that's all it takes, which means how do you know if a tissue is normal or not, right? If I, if, how do you know if those quads are good to go? 
How would you know? Are, these are these are basically all I got. Because they look they look good, <laughs> right? When I'm naked, my wife's like that's quads. That's all I got. I don't right, got much. So what we're seeing is because of the errors in our growing up, we don't even know what's right and not right. So here, here's a simple model. If you take a, any ball or a wine bottle or a roller and you lay any wine of bottle. your tissues, <laughs> tie it back in, you lay any of your body's parts on that ball or that roller and it hurts, that's an area that's not normal. Pain to compression is totally not normal. What's happening is you're compressing the tissues and instead of them sliding or adapting, right, to that compression, they, they, they kind of get pinched and torn and your body's like, ah, pain. And that's an indicator that you're, you're not right. Okay, to me, we're getting into next level stuff. Like, no, th- about- this, is, this is like so not next level. This is like baseline, this 101. Baseline. Because when people have, most of the problems that people have are simple musculoskeletal problems. They're myofascial. It's the, the connective tissue yep. into the muscle. And we wait to go see a massage therapist every two weeks. We go have this rolfer we knew back in college, right? I, I'm gonna go see this. But you need to be able to solve it today. So if your elbow hurts right now. It doesn't, but. Let's say it did. Like you got some elbow yeah. pain here from yep. you know, holding the camera, sure. right, in the sustained positions. What's right downstream of that? Forearm. Well, forearm, okay, so anything that was stiff in the forearm or painful is, a, is contributing to that. Could your triceps be stiff? Is that a problem? You don't even need to know the name. Is this right above this? Yes. Is this right above this? Yes. The knee, if you have knee pain, well, your quads are right above it. Your calves are right below it. Let's just start exploring on making sure that we're seeing our body as a simple biomechanical system. We all should have the keys to that. If you compress any tissue on any roller that you can get at Walmart, anywhere, and you find that it's either stiff or painful, you've just found a problem. All right, I'm gonna put a bow on this because there's a lot of information. I wanna, I wanna contextualize it. We're talking about, this is like not survival. This is, this is the pathway to, to thriving is you're moving every day way more than you did before. You're standing instead of sitting. See your book desk bound. You're taking walking meetings. You're, you're creating a dynamic environment for yourself. You're walking down the airport instead of taking the escalator. You're, if you're on a long flight, you're walking around. So you're just intentionally... Moving more. Moving more. So simple. So simple. Sleeping. There's a handful of things that we can do to get better sleep. Dark room, try and make a cold room. Don't use screens before you go to bed. Am I oversimplifying this? No. Or is it, okay. It's so, that simple. Okay. And then for food, we're talking about drinking less. And I'm not saying not drinking. Like the goal no. is not to deprive yourself. No, no, no. Life, that's, right? that's not sustainable. For sure. Not sustainable. And you look like a pariah sometimes. Like you need to have something in your hand as you move around the cocktail room. <laughs> right. So drinking less and like what else? So you got, and, and compressing some tissue, like actually caring about your body enough to roll on a wine bottle or a volleyball or remember a, or we can a, we can work that soft tissue working before we go to bed so i get two for one right two so for, got it. tv's on i'm reading i'm checking i can start degristling myself restoring what i call the sliding surfaces of your body right and i don't have to fix everything tonight i'm just going to do five minutes on this leg and five minutes on this leg and then i'm going to bed so if i if i if i put a bow on that is like what if we just did those things how far along on the scale of like thriving from surviving? Or is it is it a little bit better or is it massive? Massive. So we end up seeing we capture like a couple of the standard deviations, and now we can start out having a conversation about well, what kind of exercise you're doing? 
you know, you can get how weird. much fish oil are you taking, right? <laughs> like, you know, what, how are you down-regulating and breathing? There's been a guy, I'll put this out in people, um, there's a, a gentleman from Amsterdam um, named Wim Hof. Oh, yeah. You know Wim? Oh, yeah, Iceman. Yeah, Iceman. And uh, there's a little documentary advice that people should check out. But he has a 10-week breathing program about breathing efficiency. And there's some really interesting things happen. And if, and if you are in this space at all, yoga, you're going to get to breathing eventually. Every athlete gets to breathing eventually, right? And if, whether it's making sure that the tubes are open so you can breathe more when you're on the bike winning a world championship. Um, one of our friends, her name's Evelyn Stevens. This is a shout out to US, uh, USA Cycling. Evelyn Stevens just set the world record time trial. She, she biked 47 kilometers an hour for an hour. It's the world record for a woman. It's unbelievable. It so hard. It's so painful. It's unbelievable. It's like the most painful thing. Pretty much. And Evelyn is- An um, hour? She, she's a, a mutant. Hour. Okay. And interesting that she is an investment banker also. I know that. And th these things started to you know, coalesce together. She's obviously a talent and works really hard and has amazing staff. But you know, she has a bike guard in, and this guard that she has positions her jaw so that she can breathe more efficiently on the bike. So we're looking at some of these shapes sure. as like, hey, these yes. are the right limiters, right? So, you know, I, I think what's interesting is when you start to put some of these pieces together, you suddenly can start to stitch a concept around, well, what are the, what are the really toxic parts of my body? You know, okay, now I've, I've removed the sitting, and so now I'm standing, well that, that's a gateway to moving, so now, hey, I can learn some skill about moving more, and now I can take the next step. And, and you have your lifetime to refine these skills. You're a skilled human being. Stop being a piece of meat, stop it. I love the fact that I think there's a consciousness that I'm aware of right now that maybe it's just my own particular awareness or it's cultural, like, I'm not sure, but that just, that just this stuff matters. Like what you put in your, obviously food, there's a food movement that's been going on for you know, 10 years, our food's getting better, and you look at something like Trix or Red Vines, you're know, like, okay, that's clearly not something that I'm supposed to eat on a regular basis, because it's not actually made of food. But this, like there's this umbrella that I'm, you know, I'm putting you as, uh, as sort of the icon for me in this space of, it's not all that complicated. That's what no. I, my hope that you know, people take away from this conversation is that there is no brain surgery here. You do not have to have a guru. You do not, like, these are simple, simple things that will, you know, my job here is to sort of deconstruct or provide access for, for anyone who's listening to you. Is it fair to say that, that this is, you get 80% of the benefit from yes. doing half a dozen. And we things. haven't even talked about the skill or the technique or how should I se sequence and organize my body? What is a better position to carry my camera in? And that can be a second conversation. Start with what you can do. And you know there are plenty of old coaches that are saying, hey, do what you can do where you are with what you have. And it's, it's that simple, literally is that simple. And when we begin a conversation, what we have seen is that if we point to cancer, we point to, oh, death, death by sitting, right? We do the scaremongering, fear-mongering, like people are like, eh, whatever, I feel fucking awesome today. I'm yeah. gonna rock this, right? And, and, and it's difficult for us to live our lives on the scale. But if I'm like, hey, I bet you could get more work done, I bet you could be more productive, and by I the bet way- you could save a company $100 million. Or this also separately. costs you nothing. Yeah. And that's what's amazing about it, is these, some of these subtle tweaks it's easy to integrate, and what you'll see is that you'll feel better, yeah. right? 
for sure. And that begets feeling more better. This is the part that was is the most. Let's uh, focus I, on performance. Yeah, I, I consider myself hard charging, type A, hyperactive, uh, like excitable, enthusiastic, very active person. Like I'm a better person when I'm active, and I took some of these very very simple things and started practicing them within the last few months, and. I personally feel next level. Did you ever see uh, the great book, Guns, Germs, and Steel by Jared Diamond? No, but that's a crazy good title. <laughs> Guns, Germs, and Steel. And literally, he, he looks at like, why is, like, what, what's Western hegemony about? How did Western evolution, like, it was a like, complex idea about, boy, we were exposed to a certain amount of germs because we lived next to the livestock, right? Those gave us immunity that allowed us to wipe out other indigenous populations and, like, give us an edge. So, but it's really an, an uh, we read in college, and I was a geography major, and it really was a geographical perspective on the world. Why do we settle where we settle near rivers? Like, it helps us understand that, right? Well, what we've proposed here is saying, hey, Vic, this is a way of viewing the world. And suddenly, you know, it doesn't mean I have to have willpower, it just means that this fits into this way of viewing the world. And I, I, I suddenly, you know, one of our good friends, um, you know, someone was interviewing him and he was like, well, they're like, how do you get really strong? He's like, squat heavy once a week for 10 years. And let me know what your experience is on the other end of that, right? And, you know, that's pretty simple. So we started this thing in our neighborhood called Squat Club. We bring all the kids around from the neighborhood awesome. once a week and we squat. And I'm like, I got 10 years on these kids. And what happens when we just give these simple processes time to bake? Because we've tested these ideas at the limits of human performance, and we've seen it matters, and so we can start to lay those principles backwards. And, you know, I think I have really well-behaved kids, but they go to bed at 8, and they sleep till 6.30. And it has nothing to do with us, and we don't feed them a bunch of sugar, right? They're still kids. They're going to go eat pizza once in a while. But even my daughters are like, you know, Dad, I ate that pizza, and it gave me diarrhea. And I'm like, huh, that's so weird. How'd that go? <laughs> you know, and, uh, and I, I think when you start seeing the world this way and control what you control, this is not one more thing you need to do on your health, right? And we don't have to wait till you're on fire to start figuring out what's going on. Start today with what's, what you can control. This is a great tip. This is like, the, the, the core of it is doing something instead of nothing. Now back to your great tip. Doing something. So people are like, drink more water, I'm trying, right? Like this message is out, right? And if you, but you're not absorbing the water you're drinking. So if you have to go to the pee all day long, what, what do you think that is? Like you're just flushing it through. Stacy Sims, our, our homie, if you take a pinch of sea salt, drop it in your water, you will absorb the water you drink. And guess what? You don't need five liters of water today. You probably only need two because there's water in your food. But you started absorbing the water you're drinking. And so anytime there's plain water, just a pinch of salt. Where's that salt? And now that has made a massive difference in your tissues, health, in your, how your brain functions because you're not hypohydrated. And you're not because you're not trying to do the right thing. You just haven't optimized the right thing. Right, Those this, ideas, simple. This is how I want to rig this, this little, our conversation up. I want the takeaway to be what we've been talking about. For and this is all in deskbound, by for, the way. Yeah, that's what I mean. So this is in deskbound, all of this stuff. But I want the takeaway from here to be that you can easily get 80% of the benefit from just doing these simple things we've been talking about for the last like 45 minutes. Totally. So that's 80%. For the 20%, the pinch of salt in your stuff, you, I, I want you very much to get desk bound if you're watching this right now. 
but I also want you to pay attention to you because all these little things that I do because we're friends and I follow him very, very closely and all the little movement, the little squat thing, like how you should warm up and all the way that I could break down that tissue and like that's the, the for the next level, like to obsessively follow you, you will get all of that stuff. So that's that's a like part two takeaway, but you're, well, you're breathing. So I, you're think, um, I think, you know, let's, Let's put first principles first. Let's control this, and tomorrow we'll know a little bit more. Let's have a beginner's mind, right? And, and start with by saying, what does it mean to be human? I'm a physical machine, you know? And my It's nuts that that's the other way around, that we spend so much time thinking about our, our mind and that this actually influences this as much as this influences this. It's, it's, a, it's a reciprocating system. Um, the research around ADD and ADHD in children, right? Well, if you go to David Epstein's wonderful book, The Sports Gene, there's a, there's a wonderful passage in there where they take mice, and some mice had a big genetic drive to move. Some mice ran a mile, some mice ran three miles, and those three-mile mice, they loved it, right? Need to move, need to move, need to move. So they bred those mice, and a couple generations they had seven-mile-a-day mice compared to the rest of us who were one-mile-a-day mice, right? One mile is all it takes. Then they gave those mice Ritalin, and they ran one mile a day, right? They didn't let the mice run, they fought and killed each other. Right? Oh. Weird, hey, have you ever been in a classroom with little boys? Right? Boys have a huge genetic drive to move. And what we're seeing is, and, and not that girls don't, sure. but what it's we're seeing is that yeah. the education divide between boys and girls right now, there's a book called Raising Cain. If you have a boy, I highly recommend this. And we're seeing that boys are getting their asses kicked by girls in every academic field. Graduation rates, admissions to college, admissions to graduate schools, science fields, like boys look like we're troglodytes. And what's happening? Well, turns out that- vocabulary is just blowing my mind. What does troglodyte mean? Okay, sorry, I keep going. It's just, it's, I don't know, whatever, this, whatever the sparkly water is, man, it's working. And the key here is that we're seeing that boys are sitting in school, getting in trouble, fidgeting, having to get in trouble, have a negative association with that. And so we're not seeing the problem. And that's where we're going. If we don't take what we're learning and then start to apply it to the strata of our lives, we're, we're gonna keep making the same errors and we just have to keep, keep doing it earlier. Our daughters now are at the first, when we put our money where our mouth is, our daughters are at their all, first all standing school in the world. And when I say standing, yeah, it's do. so legit. Big, big shout out to our friend Tim Ferriss who helped us yeah, to promote money. you. Yeah, yeah, of you. And um, what's really fun is that our friends so were like, oh yeah, this makes total sense. Why wouldn't we do this? And the research coming out of Texas A&M to support this is insane. It, I think we're to a place where I can literally sue a school district for child endangerment. Oh, your child is sitting down at my school. Like, it's on. You know what I mean? It's, wow. it's that. It's that, happening. And, and I think we just, we are living in a place now where we're touching so many different fields that we can take best practices out, and if we don't, shame on us. That's your system. They can find all the little details about salting your water and why you should put lemon in it. And even how, how to fix it, and how to organize your spine, and even breathing, it's all in Despot. We're trying to really just say, hey, here is the not moving is the allegory for not being a physical human. And you, we know that you may still be awesome, but we know that you can be even better if you take that concept and then just spin it backwards into all aspects of your life. Yeah, that's, you know, again, I was referencing my own experience of being a very active person. You're a great athlete. I mean, it's and, still, true. You're a really good athlete. And, and, and then I've sort of, <laughs> I've had dinner at my parents' house. I'd seen him in a while. And I had my dad, like, 
doing push-ups, applying torque, and externally rotating or internally rotating is like, and it was awesome. And I watched my dad go from not being able to crank out push-ups to being able to crank out, but just by changing his technique. And I don't know shit, but I know that that's powerful but, but medicine. You, but that is, this isn't, you know, you, you don't need a, a gatekeeper between you and understanding how your body works and an experiment in the world. Don't take our word for it. Go see for yourself. Better same worse, yes or no, one or zero. Like, go try some of these things and be like, yeah, that was, that was awesome. That yeah. was amazing. I'm living proof that those things work just specifically in the last six months of my life. Total game changer. And I know I think the world is seeing a lot more content from me. I hope you think that's better content. But enough about me because I'm going to shift and I want to shift into a sort of a different element or a different um, framework for the interview for the next like 10 minutes. I want to I go because people want to know about you specifically. So tell me short, tight answers. Like, talk to me about your morning routine. Do you have one? What's it like? I have two or daughters. Some, some core elements. Okay, you have two daughters. I have two daughters. We cook them a full breakfast every day. I'm lucky in that. But we set up, we set up early. A bunch of kids in our class get up 30 or 40 minutes later than we do. It's just a nightmare. Like, the, the late. So we just, we solve the problem of getting up a little earlier and going to bed a little earlier. We have enough time. Um, you know, I probably, the thing that I do most is that my daughter turns on the hot tub. She brings me a cup of coffee. We go to the hot tub. This is my 10-year-old. You wow. can have this dream too, right? And so we go and we spend a few quality minutes there. And this is the most important thing my wife and I do. We walk to school. It's, it's, we walk. It's about a little over a mile there. We walk there and back. Great. Right? Then we usually eat breakfast, she and I. And that is our morning routine. And, and I, I would love to have this, you know, the only other thing that I will add in there is that I got introduced through some friends, Brian McKenzie and, and Laird Hamilton, to Wim Hof. And that breathing practice has fundamentally altered my life. And so I try to I, do that in the morning. I talk about meditation. I meditate. I do TM. I oh. got Tim into TM um, morning and night, 20 so, minutes. Oh. Game changer. Game like, changer. And, and my wife and I, um, maybe because we're a little chaotic, and, and, uh, and, and I have tried meditation a lot. I mean, back in college, I took meditation classes, and, met, and it didn't ever work for me, you know? What I can tell you is I found something that worked for me. This mechanical breathing practice catches me if I'm like wandering around, my next breath's right back in. And, and it's, the, you can cobble together his system on the internet for free, but this thing takes me 10 to 12 minutes and literally is the difference. When I was tracking it on my central nervous system readiness, I could max out the, the green lights. All I had to do was do the breathing, ready to go. My body was like, we're back, and, wow. and the breathing. So 10 minutes in the morning, that is the one thing that I put my, my stick in and say, this is it. It's so amazing. Morning routine includes moving, walking, a little bit of breathing or sort of some sort of That's meditation. it. Simple, simple. And then I'm like, look, no matter what happens the rest of the day, I've already walked to 5K and done my breathing. Like, I'm like, amazing. I've done something. What are you great at that nobody knows you're great at? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I can mimic anyone. Mimic how you move. Mim I, I'm like it's one of the ways I understand. Like I can, I can literally Your next give me, career is give me ten seconds, and I can literally start to, to walk the way you walk. Um, I don't think people realize that like how uh, I'm always learning and student. Like I'm deep nerd about trying to pick up new skills and try try new things. Like what are you uh, terrible at? That nobody uh, knows. Like what's a hidden thing that you're terrible at? I'm bad at a lot of stuff. Ask my wife. Um, <laughs> you know, um, inbox zero. That does not work for me. I literally have 30,000 emails in my, on iPhone. <laughs> People brag, they're like, I have 100 emails. I'm like, 30,000. And I'm like, it's all searchable information. Is that your four hours of sleep? You're like, check it out. That's I right. I, I think um, 
you know, I started calendaring everything. I live off the calendar. Yeah. If it doesn't on the calendar, it doesn't exist. Um, That's powerful, isn't it? It really is. And yeah, I, I think when, when people become, you know, I always need to do a better job of, of touching base with um, the people I work with, making sure that their needs are being met. Like, that's just always, a, that's a work thing. One of the things that I've realized is that a lot of men in their 40s with families and, and, and businesses sort of sometimes lose connection of a community of guys, and they're like an island. And they start to, like, they're struggling to hold their marriages together because they have kids and work and stress and student loan debt. And, and I think one of the things that I, my wife and I have really tried to do in the last couple of years is really cultivate really close people with no walls so that you can be like, what is going on? And someone can be like, bleh, right? Right. And then here is the most important thing that happens in my week. My wife and I, every Wednesday night, have a feelings meeting. It turns out that there are these things called feelings. They're amazing. I've heard of them. But you know, now I feel anxious when I talk about stuff because I have feelings more. And a lot of the go-getters I know, sometimes we, we park some of that stuff. And at the end of the day, when we were flying, 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 right? I was like, it was like, this is the time to talk about what's going on in our relationship and ourselves and, or my family or my, my craziness or some bad interactions. So once a week, we have it calendared. We talk about feelings. And I am incredible. telling you, that has changed my life. Thank you. Thank you, Juliet. Feelings meeting. Wow. That is incredible. A feelings meeting. That's what we call it. We call it the feelings meeting. I'm like, do not fuck with the feelings meeting. Like, everything else is BS. We're, we're, we're going to, you know, the world could be burning, but we're going to talk about what's going on. And that really has been a powerful, reflective thing, because we can talk about the week, but also it gives us a, a chance to really be on the same page if we're miscommunicating, because it just gets crazy. I don't think people, you know, the, what keeps people, my doctoral work was on barriers to adherence. What keeps people from doing what they say they're going to do? And it turns out people have really good intentions, but then the world gets busy and crazy. And so by putting this thing in, it's like a blocked behavior. I have to talk about what's going on. And that was a really simple way for me to be closer to my wife and, and, and be more honest about my, my friends and the feelings meeting, man. Feelings meeting. Boom. Oh, it's a takeaway. It's amazing. You've, you've referenced reading a lot of times in this conversation. Yeah, I read obsessively. What are you reading? Um, I'm reading the greatest piece of sci-fi I've read in like five years, Hyperion, it won the Hugo, it's so good. Um, I always try to read something, ha ha ha. Um, Jocko Willick's book, Extreme uh, Leadership, is on my, on, my, on my drawer to read. I'll take that to Europe tomorrow. And then I'm reading an E.O. Wilson book, which is about, he's the evolutionary biologist, called Consilience, which is about the reconciliation of all knowledge. Like, what are the truths around, you know, when I, when I work with, artists or musicians, um, look at their practice and their flow, because there are principles, even though the, the colors and shapes are different, the structure is the same. And we have so they probably solved the problem really well that I haven't solved. You know, and that's, that's what we can learn from that stuff, that consilience idea. I love it. I want to uh, extend a personal thank you for introducing me to Dave Werner. I want to give a shout out to Dave up He's at amazing. MoveSkill. Dot com. Uh, Dave's up in Seattle, and I'm up in Seattle, back and forth basically between Seattle and San Francisco a lot because we're here in San Francisco right now. When I'm here and occasionally I get to see you, you always help me. You Maybe we should demonstrate the shit that you pulled on me earlier, which is I got a little, my pelvis was out of line apparently. Um, and so in San Francisco, I feel like I got you in Seattle, Dave, and he's trying to put his stuff online, so I wanted to give him a shout hey, go out. Find, and, go find a movement teacher. I think that's so great. Yeah, and, and that's, you know, you basically hand it delivered me um, to Dave. So let's talk, A, thank you, B, shout out to Dave, but C, what if, 
it's sort of like uh, I have a, a masseuse or a meditation teacher or something like that. Like, how important is having someone that you go to on a regular basis to assess your movement? We've already talked about it's not necessary for that 80%, but is it worth an investment to find a professional near you? I think being in a community of people that train is, you know, we still think like we're the lone wolf. Like go into the internet and I buy the book and I'm like, today it's me alone fixing myself and running sprints and it's not sustainable. That's not how it works. I think, you know, anytime you can be in a group class and be accountable to people and be buoyed by people and, and, and what's nice about having a teacher or a coach is that that person is responsible for programming thinking about you and you just have to show up and do what they say. And that means you've just freed up a whole bunch of this yep. to spend on something else instead of what am I gonna do today for training and how do I cobble together this kettlebell work and all the master coaches I know are working for, towards autonomy. That you should be able to leave there and then if you can't get in for a week or so, there's a kettlebell in your kitchen. For sure. Right? And you know how to air squat and run. And now we're, we're, we're stitching. We often say, hey, don't be heroic. Be consistent. And it really helps That's if you have... That's so tweetable. <laughs> don't be heroic. Be consistent. You know, and you can pretty much be fit enough to go to the Olympics in your kitchen. Right? And we do. And I, we used to have a, this workout. Because, you know, if you own a gym and you're fat and out of shape, it's sort of telling a lie. And I would get home at 10 o'clock. And I would do the 10, 10, 10 at 10. And it was like 10 minutes of like 10 movements, right? At different things at 10 o'clock. And, and that was it. That was all I got today. And Julie would be like, high five. And, you know, and she's like, that sucked. And that was crap work. But you did something today. Like, good job. And that's what it is. It's really just, you know, fixing it in whenever you can. But what we think is it's all or nothing, right? I have to be this modern warrior, poet, monk guy. <laughs> Find a teacher. Drop into a local yoga class. Also, be a polymath. Go go learn yeah. your skill. We were walking past the, the community center last night, and there was a tap dance with like 80 ladies in there. And, and my younger daughter was like, that's awesome. They're dancing. And I was like, learning a new skill, memorizing new steps, having a balance. I'm like, that's it. Those people are winning. That's what it's about. I think we're confusing fitness with, with functionality. And we, once we're functional and moving and learning, then we can start having a conversation of how fit you need to be. I love that. There has, we've got Maintaining Your Body, your class on Creative Live. It's a yeah, perennial It's a seller. good primer. It's a great, great primer. But let's talk about you know, if they want to get more Kelly, which everybody pretty much when they come around you, they want to get more Kelly, especially when you crack my hip and do all kinds of cool shit. But how do we get more Kelly? Well, we, we have put some books out in the space right? Yeah. that people can find if they Google our name. And then, two um, R's, two T's. Two R's, two T's. Starette. And then uh, we, had a, we have a YouTube channel that has a lot of folks on there. Uh, a lot of information. We started a project uh, in 2010 where we just said, let's make a video a day for a year. Just blah. What, what do we know and what should everyone know? Right? This is the things, the baselines. How's that and, going for you? Uh, here we are at like 2,000 videos later. 2,000 videos. And uh, we started... Don't we, be heroic, be consistent. Yeah. And, and you know what? And what I really loved about the creative experience about this was, you know, like there'd be times where I would pass it on the couch and she'd be like, there's no video today. And I'd be like, Huh? Okay, let's go. And then the camera would turn on and like sing, and I would talk about something I've been noodling on. And it ended up being a, a creative practice, but also sharing my work all the time gave me immediate real world feedback about what was working and not what was working, right? I want to hack into that for a second. That so is that's powerful. Making something every day. We just uh, spent a lot of time here at Creative Life talking about our program called 28 to Make, 
which if you Google that, amazing. It's just a little, teeny little prompt that comes in your inbox every day. And any day you can sign up, it's day one, and you'll get 28 days of little prompts. It's unbelievable. But tell me how that changed your uh, psyche from making something every day. Like, again, it's midnight, you're just about to fall asleep, your wife's like, we haven't done a video. You get up, you're like, boom, I'm gonna make this thing. How did that affect you? It set up, first and foremost, uh, a background loop in my brain. Like, I wrote a poem a day for a long time, right? Just a little crappy haiku or something. And I remember suddenly thinking, like, I'd start collecting little bits of information and see the world a little bit differently because this, this computer program was running in my head about, oh, hey, look at that bird, and, you know, my wife's smile, and, you know. And I'd just stitch these things. When I started this creative practice, it set up a loop of all the time where I was always solving problems and always thinking critically in the background or foreground actively about it. And when the, when, because I had practiced, when the camera came on, I was ready to go. And it really got me to see things and opportunities for teaching or moments. It was transformational. Putting my work, work out there made me vulnerable, right? Vulnerable because. I'll tell you, um, you know, there are a lot of people who are, it's easy to be a keyboard critic, but I'm like, and where's your body of work, you know? And we say this to our friends who are artists. I'm like, if you never show your work, you're not an artist. You're someone who paints, right? If you're a musician, you never perform. You're just a guy who dicks around his guitar. Like, you are not a musician. The act of vulnerability of expressing is consummation of the artist cycle and it's consummation of the, of the practice. So me putting this work out there, it gave me feedback. It, it, act, it was an active sketch. And I was transparent in where I was and who I was, and it wasn't highly produced. And people can also track my evolution because there's a start and where I am today, and you can see like, oh, oh, I can see I was refining the concept. And that really was the, the central tenet of why we were able to write a book because yeah, the fastest thing you want to do yeah. is look like an ass on the internet, right? <laughs> because you don't know what you're talking about. And really, it really does hone your craft by just, and of course it's practice, see Daniel Coyle, 10,000, whatever. Yeah, 10,000 But that, awesome. that experience was the, was the start of my, my brain pattern of starting to solve problems around me because I, because I was running this computer program in the background all the time, I started to see possibility. I just did a, a little video at Chase Jarvis Raw around um, um, awareness and that I realized post facto that a career of looking for beautiful things, and not just beautiful, beautiful, horrific, noteworthy things, has, it, it has made such a difference in my ability to be a better human being as just moving through my day. And it sounds like there's something there for you. You're, you've got this, you've got a feedback loop for yourself like on what it feels like to make something. You've got a feedback loop from sharing your work. Austin Kleon's book comes to mind. Uh, what is it? Is it share your work? Share your work. Show your, show your work. That's what it is. Uh, how about from your? Um, do, you, do you find that, that there is a human, like a like a genetic, or you know, we've talked a lot a lot about like primal self. Is there a, is there a making part of that in your world? Oh yeah, you know. Uh, my wife and I always kid around because Juliet's like, I'm always like, I'm the artist, you're the engineer. You were just talking about being a poet. I had no <laughs> idea. You were and uh, no, no, it's just I'm not a poet. I write poems. There's a big difference. <laughs> and uh, Juliet, um, you know, it's amazing sort of in our work how much writing we do. Mm-hmm. And like, Juliet's like, man, if I hadn't gone to law school, I don't think I'd be as proficient a writer because she was forced to write every day. And now in our job, in our business, we do so much writing. Our blog, I mean, we put up little mini essays all the time. Yeah, you guys are you, you know? And I, I think um, 
you know, if it's, you know, if it's important, do it every day. I mean, there are these maxims that are just kind of, we can kind of shine on, because oh, that's a bullshit maxim. But what was really great is, you know, I started with a, an idea about supporting my community, and that grew into content, support the community, and then it turned into commoditization. It, this wasn't our plan. I was sure. just a coach you, physical therapist, trying yeah. to like say, hey look, if you show up at my gym with knee pain and your quads are stiff, I'm gonna cock punch you because <laughs> no one should have to see their doctor and get a referral for physical therapy because their quads are stiff. <laughs> and so there were some basic things that I was like, solve this yourself. And, and it's interesting is that this base practice has really led to a, a concept that we, we feel like we're really disruptive. Like, you know, we're trying to offload. On my, way, on my way from my desk to come meet you in the green room before we recorded this, uh, a guy named Marcos who works here. Stuff. He said, "Did you see Kelly Stratz here? That guy. That guy is. Like, do you know have any idea how big he is in the CrossFit and the athletic community?" I'm like, "He's my good friend. Yeah, I have <laughs> no. I, I have no idea. We're but, friends. But it, it, the community component. That yeah. I mean, I, I realize I just hijacked you, but that like no. That that is a hu- that's a hu- there's a human thing to that, is there not? Well." One is that we're in the business of helping people better their job, and people are infinitely grateful and gracious. Like, it's amazing. When people come, we get stopped all the time about, because everyone has, a, like, people are figuring it out. Yeah. And, and showing people how they can go faster and, and be more efficient or be better teachers, like, that's a win-win-win, right? We love it. And, and we're nerds about it. I mean, this is what we obsess we about. We were hanging out for two minutes, and you're like, what's wrong with you? Like, oh, my back hurts. And then you had me on the ground and fixed me. So you just walk around like perpetual healer. No, Are you a shaman? but uh, the, the, yeah, right <laughs> to rock Mokto. Um, I think uh, you know what we're seeing is we we hit some kind of you know stumbled into some kind of zeitgeist era where people are like, hey, it's got to be on us. I'm going to manage my own 401k. You know, I, I don't have to. Maybe there's an alternative to going to college, right? Maybe maybe I can run. Like we're really wa- wondering what's going to happen to our kids because. All of their friends own their own businesses. Like, oh yeah, Uncle, Uncle Chase. Like, yeah, maybe I'll start a production company because he did it, and there's it's known to us, right? So, um, what's been really interesting about this in moving towards this disruption is that we're realizing that a lot of this information should be democratized. Like right now, we're thinking that the functional unit for training is not the coach; it's the elementary teacher. If they can teach my daughter to read, right, they can teach her to squat. Right? It's that simple, right? They can, they can do some of those basics. So what we're doing is saying, hey, we've got to decouple our traditional systems of how we're disseminating information, how we're learning, and start looking at more you know, other ways of supporting that. Yeah. And then uh, also on like around the body maintenance stuff, there are, like, there's no substitute for working with a brilliant coach and, and someone who can put their hands on you and has a lifetime of that. But we should uncouple the unskilled care and give that back to people and unskilled to coaches. Unskilled care, unskilled. It's not. It's not skilled. Like this is yeah. this is common knowledge. And what we're trying to do right now is drag the physios who are so good and capable in the chiros into understanding this middle ground, not injury, right? So, because right now, if you ask injury, like to find injury, people are like ah, it's the when I finally can't do what I can do, right? What I want to do, and I have to see a doctor. Well, I'm like, well, what about? What happens to all the incidents? Would your knee ever hurt running? Oh yeah, all the time for the last, since Vietnam, it's been hurting. And I'm like, well, that was all information that we could have made sense of back then, but now you've worn a hole in your kneecap and your knee's on fire, right? So what about the, before your knee even hurt, were your quad stiff, were your calves stiff, right? Because you sat all the time because you didn't know to look for it. So we need to bring all the coaches, teachers, moms, dads up to this incident level so we can start solving these problems. And then what happens if we don't have to, 
go see a physical therapist as much, right? I mean, that, there's, we can suddenly start to free up. We start to solve our own problems. And that's, that's how we're really going to do this. We have always operated on the assumption early on, um, sorry, changing gears, early on someone's like, you're talking over people's heads. And I was like, mm-mm, people are way smarter than me out there. And I'm like, they'll catch up. And the fact that they're, they're, they're struggling right now means that they're interested, right? And they haven't turned me off because they're like, what's he saying? What's that? Whoa, 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 go back. <laughs> and so we have always talked up to people and always given them more information that they can't mess themselves up. And lo and behold, they make better decisions because people are so amazing and so fucking smart. For sure. Quit it. Quit talking down to people. Donald Trump. Don't even say that. I'll slap you. Trump, the real Trump. The Trump. Yeah, that was Make America Trump again. Look, it's not about politics. The idea, though, is I think we don't ever oh, around politics. the complexity of these things. We can ask people and show them, show them our work and show them our best experience. And here's why we know, and and take it or leave it. So the people that you're going to talk up to, they need to find you first. They need to find you at Mobility Wad. Is that at basically mo- everything? At Mobility Wad is everything. That's uh, and that's W O D, which is workout of the day. Mobility Wad. And, uh, you know, and if you go to our site, it's a little bit like stumbling on a big river. You're like, what? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. You just need to start. One of the things that I think is the most powerful about this site is that we do a daily programming piece. And we have programmed 10 or 15 minutes of work for you to do every day for the last three years. And That's so, so you can just start. And I'm like, start there. You know, you fly Virgin, it's like press anywhere to begin, like on the screen. You know, it doesn't matter where you start. Start today, here, and then, uh, you know, let it be a journey. Because you don't, have to, you don't have to arrive today. You just have to work a little bit today. Desk bound. Uh, man, I, I hope. I hope it realizes that we're leaving a lot of efficiency on the table. We're messing up a lot of kids. You can feel better. You can run faster. And, uh, you know, let's, let's be a little bit more skilled. We'll see. I, I don't know. I, you know th- I'm really, really proud. The, as you know, when you deliver a big creative project, yeah. there's not a pr- I'm just a tip of a spear. I have some ideas, but there are so many people you know, working behind this thing. And I think this is our best effort as a, as a creative team. I'm really proud of it. It's gorgeous. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. Thank you for coming. The world is going to uh, devour your information now. Uh, at least the, the world is paying attention to what we're doing here. So huge debt of gratitude. I appreciate your time, buddy. All right, that about wraps it up. But before I let you go, I want to say, A, a huge thank you. B, let you know how to find me. I'm basically at Chase Jarvis all over the internet on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I'm very active on Snapchat. You guys should check it. If that's a platform that you enjoy, uh, check me out there, as well as all the other ones. It's a super important ask for you to share this also. Uh, subscribe via iTunes, SoundCloud, and or Stitcher. And most definitely, if you're willing to put in a little bit of extra juice, please leave a review on iTunes. That helps make our podcast more visible. Last place that you can check it out and, and get some additional value is in my newsletter, which is chasejarvis.com slash VIP. That is where I put content out before it hits my social platforms. So that's sort of the insider track. Leave comments all over the internet for me. I will track them down and respond as best I can. And uh, again, huge thank you for listening to the podcast. And I'm looking forward to the next episode already. I hope you'll join me next time.